confession to make. I don't like rain, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't like rain because as a kid, rain meant that uh, there was going to be thunder, most likely. There was going to be lightning. There could be strong winds when the rains came. And it also meant I couldn't go to recess. I mean, let, let's be honest. How many of you teachers, I know we got a lot of teachers in the room, how many of you teachers, whenever it rains, and you know that the kids are not going to be let out, right? How many of you deep inside say a special prayer? It's like, Lord, if you've ever loved me, <laughs> could you please, just at 1.15, allow the sun to break through, right? I mean, you've prayed that prayer. And kids, ball games get canceled when it rains, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're waiting, you've prepared, you've practiced all week long only to wake up on the day of the big game and it's raining and you're like, oh man, I went through all that for nothing and now we're going to have to wait and, and when it rains, have you ever tried to get an umbrella in the car when it's raining and stay dry, right? I mean, who came up with that idea? Uh, here's what I want. I want someone, I want someone to design, I want you to design something for a car where there's a place to put an umbrella, a wet one, when you're getting in, instead of setting it in your wife's lap as she is sitting there beside you, right? I mean, you, you've all done it, and you've all played that dance where you've gotten in, and, and, you're, and you're there, and you're, you're doing this, and you're, you're shaking it, right? You're doing that, and then all of a sudden it's like, here, honey, why don't you hold that for me? Well, we do that, right? Man, I, I, I don't like rain. And, and so you, maybe you can understand then why I've wanted at times to have words with Jesus. I have. But because this is what he said about God in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. He said, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, why doesn't God just send rain on the bad people? Right? I mean, okay, fine. It needs to rain. I get it. But why not rain out the other team? Why rain on my parade, right? Well, why have to, why, why rain on the things that, that I want to do? Let other people experience disappointment and, and let other people experience, you know, some, some times that are just not that great. And yeah, there goes Jesus. Telling us a truth that is, it's difficult to understand. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, many of us have used this passage in the past to explain why bad things happen to good people. Right? You ever heard that used before? Something bad goes on and, and maybe it was your mom or your grandmother who said, well, you know, the rain falls on the just and and the unjust. And you want to say, yeah, but the unjust, they go and steal the just umbrella. And so we all get it. Just pour it on us. And maybe it's the cancer diagnosis, or maybe it's money problems, or marital unfaithfulness. And someone says, well, you shouldn't be surprised because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God doesn't play favorites, and he lets it rain on everybody's parade. And this became the proof text to explain some of our own pain and, and misery and suffering. But I think in our rush to make sense of bad things that happen in our life, 
in our desire to be able to come up with some type of answer that explains why I'm experiencing what it is I'm experiencing right now that I don't like, we actually ran right past Jesus' intended message. You see, in Matthew 5 and verse 45, Jesus is not trying to give us a theology as to why God's people must deal with disappointment and hurts in the world. He is showing us here in this text why we should be good to those who are actually not good to us. Yes. This text here has nothing to do with the bad things that happen in your life. It has nothing to do with the rained out ball games. It has, it has nothing to do with all the different problems that we say come with rain. He's showing us why we should be good to those who are not good to us. And his answer is this. Because God is good to all. He's good to all. I like the way the message paraphrases Matthew 5, 45. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and the bad and the nice and the nasty. You see, for an agrarian society, rain is not a bad thing. It's the thing. Rain is actually life. Rain is what brings nourishment and, and growth. Just ask the farmer who's ever had to leverage his farm on next season crop how important rain is. But in our 21st century setting, it's just so easy to misunderstand Jesus' words because rain postpones ball games and rains cause accidents and rain brings would-be brides to tears when she finds out that that special day is no longer going to look that special. But in Jesus' world, rain equaled blessings. Blessings that came no matter your relationship to God. You see, good or bad, according to Jesus, everybody gets wet. We all get blessed. You realize that? God's goodness comes to all. No matter if you recognize God or not. No matter if a person thinks about God. No matter what a person thinks or doesn't think about God. We all enjoy the blessings of God. And that's why each November, Christian and non-Christian alike pause to count their blessings. Because God doesn't play favorites. And everyone has something to be thankful for. So what about you? How has God reigned on your parade? What blessings is it that you're thankful for? Tell the people that are around you right now. We're just going to stop just for a minute. This is your audience participation time. I want you to look to your husband and your wife. Look to your kids. Look to the stranger that's sitting in front and say, Hey, let me tell you how God has reigned on me. And talk about your blessings just for a minute. Go ahead. If you've been reigned on by God, why don't you tell somebody about it?
You know, I was talking to Gilly Wiseman about this recently. And, and she asked a question as we were talking that I really hadn't thought about very much. But she said, you know, if, if the righteous and unrighteous share in the same blessings of God, then what benefit is there in being a Christian? I mean, think about that. Jesus says, look, God's blessings, God's reign falls on those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. God's reign comes if you think about him or not. Many people in our country over the next few weeks will begin to draw their thoughts around all the different things that they enjoy. And you will go and you will share Thanksgiving table with, with family and friends. And there will be conversations about blessings. And you know what? It doesn't matter what a person thinks about God or Jesus. If they ever do, they still are able to have many of the same things that you just talked about. You probably looked at somebody around you and talked about your family or you, you talked about your job. You talked about how that you were so thankful and grateful perhaps for your health. And all of these things that we talk about that oftentimes come to mind right away when we talk about blessings, you understand these are things that God pours out on people no matter what relationship they have with him. So if that's the case... Is there any benefit to being a follower of Jesus? Is there rain, maybe to put it this way, is there rain that only falls on those who follow Jesus? Are there some special showers, some special soakings that are reserved for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ? You see, we've been talking all year how as, as a believer in Jesus, we are showered with God's grace. That the grace of God is poured out upon us. And because of that, I really believe, and I think scripture points to it, that you know what, there are some very, there's some very special things that come along with that grace. That even though others might enjoy the rain that God pours out, there is something special that is reserved for those who are his children. Speaking about those who trust in Jesus for their salvation, Paul would write in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, he said, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I have peace with God. That has been rained down upon me. That is a blessing that I have because of the relationship that I have with God. It's a consequence of my faith. Not just peace between countries. Not just peace between neighbors or peace at home. But salvation brings peace with God. Later on in this very chapter, he says, you know what? Guess what? We were God's enemies. We're God's enemies. And the word that he used there for enemies described a person who was resolved to inflict harm and driven by irreconcilable, deep-rooted, personal hatred. He says, that's what you were. You were enemies of God. You wanted to destroy all that God had given. You see, our decision to live out self-centered lives puts us at odds with God. And every tempting whisper that Satan fills our hearts with, every time he mentions this hatred that should boil over, we want to destroy the oneness that God has created. Now understand, that was BC though. That was before Christ. Before you heard about the grace and the sacrifice 
Before you heard about the love and the forgiveness. And before he brought you home. Continuing in Romans 5, he says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. And that's where we now stand. Look at that phrase that says Christ has, he has brought us. It's a word that means to bring into the presence of royalty. See, Christ meets us outside the throne room and he takes us by the hand and he leads us right into the very presence of God. And upon entrance, we find grace, not condemnation. We end up finding mercy instead of punishment. Once we were enemies, but now we're family. And you guys have seen this in your very homes before. Let's say you get a knock at the door and some strange kid is just standing there. And that kid says, hey, I'd like to come and stay at your house tonight. I just want to come and hang out and eat out of your refrigerator and if I could take over the remote control and I've got some tunes that I'd like to listen to and, and maybe, you know, some, some games to play. And, and then, if you wouldn't mind, I just want to crash on your couch. If you just let me do that, that would be awesome. Now, unless you're the Robertsons and you can't keep track of whose kids are who in your house, I mean, you really don't, you really don't know how to respond when something like that happens, Right? I mean, something like that would happen. You're like, where are you from? Who are you? What's your name? Who are your parents? What is your number? Can I get you home? I mean, you know? But let's say that same kid comes to your house escorted by your son or daughter. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Sure, come on in. Go through the fridge. Come on. Let's watch the game together. Let's play games together. Hey, don't worry about the couch here. Let's get the, we'll get the extra bedroom all set up. And this is going to be where, where you're going to stay. Hey, let's just cook out. Let's just make it a night. It's going to be awesome. What changed? It's the same kid coming to your door, asking for entrance, wanting just to set up shop at your home. You know what changed? Your child brought them. And because your child brought them, they enter your house and they are welcome. And it's the same with our relationship with God. By becoming friends with the Son, we gain access to the Father and there's no conflict. There's only peace. You see, the result of our sinfulness, it not only brought us into conflict with God, but it also caused us to be, to be foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and evil and we, we hated each other. Now we were still enjoying the blessings. We were still getting rained on by God, but we just couldn't get along with everybody. Now notice when Paul writes this to this guy named Titus, he does so and he's talking about how Titus and those that Titus was with, how they were BC, how they were before Christ. He said, this is how we were living. And you know, it's amazing how so many of us today live in relationship to one another as if we're still living B.C. In our current age of outrage, we are perpetually encouraged to view others purely by categories and we decide if individuals are friends or foe. Are they on my side or are they against me? How many people voted like I did this past week? How many people endorse my worldview, embrace my ideology, support my theology? 
And if we're not careful, here's what happens. We slip into these old patterns of thought and reaction. But when we experience when we experience the forgiveness of Christ, God entirely transforms the way in which we see other people. And he expects it to transform the way in which we act among other people. And the way in which we live in our communities. You see, B.C., before Christ, I was suspicious of anyone who was different from me. Before Christ, I was filled with hate for anyone who didn't agree with me. But now... I've been showered with grace. And because I've been showered with grace, I can live with peace. I can live at peace with those who are not like me. I can. Scripture says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. According to Paul, Jesus is the peace that brings ethnically diverse people together. He breaks down the walls of division that divides people because of their thought and, and background, because of their education and class. Through the cross, individual sins are forgiven and different ethnic groups are reconciled and hostility between people has been destroyed. That's why Paul would write to the church in Corinth and say, you know what? We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We don't do that anymore. We don't categorize people based on their origin or based on their color or based on their height or their weight. We don't categorize people by where they worship or where they live or by what kind of cars they drive. He would write to Christians and say, you know what? There's no longer Jew or Gentile. Slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Notice he's saying, look, there are no longer any ethnic dividers in Christ. There are no longer any class dividers in Christ. There are no longer any gender dividers in Christ. For you are all, say it with me, one in Christ Jesus. You're one. You see, because as a Christian, my identity is not wrapped up in my ethnicity. It's not wrapped up in where I came from. It's not wrapped up in my class on what I have or what I don't have. It's not wrapped up in my gender. Am I male or female? I am free to live at peace with others who don't vote the way I do. I am free to live at peace with others who don't believe what I believe or who do not worship how I worship or who do not eat how I eat or live how I live because I understand that God loves those people who are different from me just as much as he loves me. Does that bother any of you? To know that God loves the people that you oftentimes don't like just as much as he loves you? You see, because of this truth, I don't have to shout the loudest. And I don't have to fire off the most tweets. And I don't have to make a scene around the Thanksgiving turkey. I can be at peace because I realize that everyone needs grace. Everybody. So sit down with Uncle Tom here in a few weeks and... Pass the turkey and the mashed potatoes to him. Sit down and 
and spend some time this week with a neighbor, with a coworker that you're just having a difficult time with and share a coffee. Why don't you go out to lunch today, maybe with somebody from this very church family that you know doesn't think the way that you think on things and spend time talking about how that you're both showered in the grace of God. You can have peace with those who are different from you because of the grace of God. And one more blessing that I think is unique to being a follower of Jesus. Do you know I can live at peace with myself? I can. I can live at peace with myself. You know, we are harder on ourselves than anybody else is. I mean, we're hard. We look in the mirror and we don't see what we like. We look at test scores and we get so disappointed. We strike out, we fumble, we miss the basket and it's the end of the world. An accident here, a misspoken word there and I mean, we're like Muhammad Ali just beating ourselves up over and over again. Hey, I want you to say something with me. Will you say my failures are not fatal? You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. My failures are not fatal. Now, for those of you who just lied because you don't believe that, we're going to come forward here in just a minute, all right? And you're going to have a time to come and you can pray and, and it's going to be great. But hey, guys, look, your failures are not fatal. You are not defined by your last poor decision. But I know in our, in our hashtag no filter world, it's all about how we look. And you look on social media and you see all of these dysfunctional people, all these dysfunctional families, and they look so pretty. And they look so nice. And, and you don't know that they put the fun in dysfunctional, but they do. And what they've done, they have threatened their children within an inch of their life to stay still for the photo. They have, they have said, look, you will not be at Thanksgiving dinner. Or if you are, you will be fried and on the table. <laughs> Unless you sit here in your nice whites right here on the beach and get your picture taken. I mean, we do all these things to try to show how, how great everything is and how wonderful everything is. And former President Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. It steals your joy because you know what? There is someone who can do it better than you can. Whatever it is. There is someone who can sing better than you. There is someone who can play better than you. There's someone who is faster. There's someone who is smarter. There's someone who is prettier. There's someone who is stronger than you are. I mean, there's somebody here this morning that can preach this better than me. A good friend of mine, Mark Littleton, is here, preacher at Athens. He could come up here and do a much better job at this. I get that. But it's okay. My performance does not determine my worth. And so I'm at peace. And so go on YouTube and, and look up another preacher that can say this better than I can. It's okay. I'm at peace with that. I am valuable to God because I am His. He made me. With all my strengths and with all my weaknesses, He knows me inside and out. He knows my sins, past, present, and future. He knows how ungodly I can be. 
And yet, get this, at just the right time, when I was powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrated his own love for me in this. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And so I'm at peace because I have been showered by the grace of God. You see, the older I've gotten, I've come to realize that rain is actually a pretty good thing. It nourishes, it cleanses, it cools, and, and man, does it make for a great afternoon nap. <laughs> and God showers of blessings are pretty good too. We all in some way reap the rewards of his goodness. But church, don't leave here without understanding that for the follower of Jesus Christ, there is reserved a special soaking. There is something that you have that others don't. Peace with God. Peace with those who are not like you. And peace with yourself. So why don't we sing a little bit? I'm happy again.
There is a peace that only comes from centering your faith on Jesus Christ. Peace with God. You're no longer enemies. Peace with those who are not like you. You realize that God loves them just as much as he loves you. And peace with yourself. You don't need any more filters. I love that clip. Especially what happens at the end. Gene Kelly takes his umbrella. He closes it up. And he gives it away. And he gets soaked in the rain. Maybe you need to put your umbrella away today. Because for too long, you have avoided the soaking that comes from God. Why not come and be covered in his grace? Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. And go home wet and happy. Let's stand and sing.